What's going on, fellas? March 27th. It's almost April 1st. Ray, don't look at me like that. I'm having a little, uh, I got a little cold or something in my throat. Why uh, is this me? Why? Because because you wear it on your on your face. You're like, yeah, what's the matter with him? What's the matter with your voice? Well, you know, I mean, I can see it. But good to see y'all, fellas, man. Look, it's uh, I'm excited about this evening. You know, um, this young brother that that I met in in Detroit a few weeks ago uh, with the three one three reads and and the rest of the uh, Michigan Literacy Conference. But first up, when they hear, how's everybody doing? You know, Cole, you were up in uh. In Memphis, mm -hmm. and uh, with our sister, our mama Sarah, uh, and the crew, Memphis Lift. Please tell us how how's everything and how's squad. Oh man, they're amazing. I had it was one of the best times I've had, mm. and since we've met, and you know, like I said, I we've done some amazing shows, been around amazing people, and this is no discredit to anywhere else we've spoken, but that was just it. It, it just felt like home. They took such good care of me. I laughed and smiled every single day uh renee shout out to you uh for the intro um and showing that love and and just um we got to see some schools and ended up causing some good trouble was on the news there i didn't want to be uh but when sarah carpenter says talk to this reporter uh then you like you talk to the reporter That's right. and um but we we you know we was and i and just congrats to them for getting that 1.5 million from the mckenzie uh from mckenzie scott and they are building a parent uh, advocacy center just right across the street from their offices and their and their offices in the it's in the community you know what i'm saying it's they got this beautiful mm. old school hand painted sign that welcomes you it just it just it reminded me of, of, of being with my granny man and, and and being in kentucky and just those sensibilities so i was blessed I, I can't wait till we all get to do something there together um but i think it was good because people know us as our abh group thing and i think that like being able to see each of us, like Chris of HBH and Ray of, you know, ABH, but get to do their own thing. I think it really adds value. So I oh, love it. Beautiful. People, beautiful. Yeah. I was, I was jealous that I couldn't make it down there, man. But uh, Ray, Ray, what you got going good, bro? Man. So uh, this upcoming week is state testing for us, man. So it's, okay. it's all hands on deck. We're getting ready. We're embracing this challenge. You know, our scholars already you know they've been preparing for this moment for us to take uh state test for the last two and a half years so they're ready to show what they've learned and uh ready to break this myth about uh covid uh learning loss because that didn't happen with us and we can't wait to uh get on the books to show folks that you know we are able to overcome these challenges by setting high bars for our students so we ready oh wow so is your joy normally this early yeah. Just, so we hey, have, hey, talk your talk, King. Hey, he said, yeah, I want y'all to hear what the man said. He said, hey, yo, man, I don't know what you other leaders is doing out there, B, but we grew. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. You ain't hey, grow. Listen, hey, listen, I got a, I got a whole new spin on how I'm looking at this data, man, because I'm, I'm looking at uh, the, the other charter schools that perform really high. But I know one thing that we do that they don't do. We don't accept money. We don't accept outside money. We do it per pupil, right? And so that may be crazy on us, but... See, you ain't got to hate on that part. That yeah, you know what I'm saying. You was I'm good. just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it a lot. I, I don't think like it's nothing wrong with outside additional money to the poor people. Yeah, but, but I got you. I, I feel like I feel like it aligns us more with with what traditional public schools are doing, even though they do sometimes. They get, get outside money. They Absolutely. get outside money all the time. They're swimming in outside of money. They're swimming in it. We the, only don't people, the only people, the only people who say I don't get outside money are the ones who where nobody's offering. Right, <laughs> that's bro. I'm Ray Ankrum. I can get money from anybody if I go to him. You should take it. Anything, any one dime. Yeah, you can get. Yeah, about ego, yeah. right? What's, what, yeah. what, if, whatever you can get the most resources with, man, do that thing, man. You know, Listen, what I'm saying? So, but, so but congrats on your numbers, though, bro. Real talk. Here's what here's where you got to understand about about when you take other people's money. When you take other people's money, you also uh, incorporate paperwork and like all kinds of additional things that you may not have the ability to you may capacity not have the ability to, to to deal with or the capacity to deal it ain't with the grants didn't say no to that afterwards yeah right? didn't you say no to that bro yeah you said what i said didn't you say no to that bro when you are negotiating you try to get unrestricted dollars or if they're giving it for us look we that this, we can do a whole show on this let me <laughs> but I, I worked in a district with that i run an organization that would that you know what i'm saying where you got to do that so now people that just take money 
and, and anyway, we, we, <laughs> what's up, I, we, 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 you know, you know how you say you disavow. I think the three of us have de- definitely just disavowed that misinformation, brother. In love, in love. Yeah. Now I got you, man. I got you, Chris. How you feel, man? You sound better. Anybody, anybody who wants to donate to Ray <laughs> can gladly send it to Brightbeam. Go to Brightbeam.com, you know, org, and and hit hit the uh, donate button. And give it to us, because we accept outside money. Uh, I'm good, y'all. Good to see y'all again. I'm traveling, obviously. I'll be out for a week. So uh, just good to see everybody again. I look forward to Sunday nights, because it gets me a little bit hyped for the week. Gets me prepped to have these discussions about important conversations. Yeah, yeah. No, good stuff. What happened to your voice? I missed this, bro. You sound like you was at a rave. No, I... Was you at a rave? That's on my to-do list. You know yeah, what I mean? okay, all right. Yeah, 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 I think. I know, how you, I I know think. y'all like to party on this side, so. So know. wait, so when you say rave, like, are you, like, the drug, like, you you do drugs, the whole experience? You, you see, you bring, no, see, you, I didn't you bring race to the line. Like a, you know what I mean? He's and a he habitual just, line stepper. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> habitual line stepper. You know what I'm saying? He know Dago well. I ain't talking about no Dago and drugs. I just thought it was, like, some grungy, I mean, like, party or something but without the drugs you know what i'm saying listen be high on life man leave that stuff alone but listen i was excited to, um you know we often talk with youth you know um last time we were together in person we were you know um connecting with shoemaker youth and and things like that you know i had the opportunity to visit northeast high school you know it's one of those schools with three thousand students 51 different languages you know i'm walking down the street towards the school during arrival trying to pick up that what language is that oh what language is that right like it's just that that energy and environment got to visit classrooms hear the orchestra you know so like that's we we often talk about like how that brings us energy well uh dr van bell over in uh you know uh 313 reads invited me to the michigan literacy um conference uh several weeks ago and this is a a story that we heard about we've spoken about in detroit where a group of youth had filed a lawsuit because they said there was uh malpractice educational injustice racism you know everything that that just really not only dampened but like undermined their high school experience and so a group of them filed a lawsuit and one of the brothers that we were um engaged with uh, was jamaria hall um, and was really excited about, you know, him continuing the conversation that we had in Michigan, and we had read his things before, um, just about the work, but just really starting off, in, and we often talk about youth activism. Dr. Cole works with, with youth um, in their research and giving feedback and elevating their voices and their lived experiences. You know, Chris, on Brightbeam, you guys uh, amplify several youth groups, um, and talking about their, you know, their conversation. And of course, we got the superintendent who's been working with youth up and down the East Coast from Baltimore on up. So was just excited to bring this young man on, man, so we could hear his story about black literacy, about, um, you know, the work that he was involved in. And um, gonna, uh, we're going to bring him on. Um, and and yeah, just he knows that we're just having a conversation but I'm excited for the, our audience to meet this uh, young activist that's, you know, is bringing the bringing the noise, but bringing also the uh, the truth. And Sheree, right? just just an editor, just a producer note from Josh in the back. I know you he couldn't see the notes, uh, Mr. Hall. If you can tilt your phone just a little bit so it's not cutting off your head, but don't, you know, if they perfect, that's, that's, that's much better. Hey, bro, welcome. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just honored to be here, man. Like you said, just to be a part of important conversations that uh, really need to be had, uh, especially once we know with our people, a lot of stories such as these often aren't told uh, for good reason. So uh, knowing how powerful it is, like you said, to really have youth representation. And uh, I'm just honored to be here. Hmm. Well, look, let's, um, you know, just just get the what do you say, Ingram? I said, we're honored to have him. Oh, my man. I, mm-hmm. Sorry. Like, it was New York nasty. I'm just asking what you say. You trailed <laughs> off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But look, why don't you share a little bit about your, your high school experience? Let's start there. Like, what? when did you realize that there was a, a problem? Like, Mayday, Mayday. Um, young Black youth need, need uh, 
need some help and support. When when did that really strike you? Uh, I think uh, for often as people, uh, when we're young, even when we're young, we kind of feel something about the school system is off. We feel once we first go into the classroom that like, I mean, uh, you know, as you go into school, you're amped to go to school. You're thinking about different concepts of school. So uh, I wouldn't say as soon as I went to school, but often seeing my community, seeing how people were deprived, seeing how we lived in poverty, seeing how things around me really affected and how they happened and really understanding how uncommon common sense was and uh, seeing how a lot of things around me really branched from education and understanding uh and listening to people around me in the community, you know, uh, the LGs are always talking about things that didn't happen, how they've been deprived, things that uh, have happened to them. So there's really one of the main things that stuck out was the educational system uh, in Detroit had got taken over by the state uh, around like 1997. So knowing that emergency managers had been put in place of public education uh, throughout my whole lifetime, and then being in classrooms with books that are from 1997, uh, and I'm born in 1999. So understanding that uh, there was a higher being, there was a higher purpose for us being educated, uh, understanding once you are educated, uh, you start to realize how you are being educated. Uh, so then looking at the educational system, like I said, is really understanding that it was never meant to make independent thinkers. Uh, understanding that not only that, but specifically in Detroit, we are being deprived of even the fundamental rights of just being able to live with liberty, uh, to be able to be productive citizens to society, uh, not really understanding what's going on around us, uh, understanding that we are being oppressed. And not only that, that there was a specific war on public education, specifically by people of interest that, uh, I mean, for private interests. So basically, uh, education as dollar signs instead of education for uh, really teaching students. And that was just the main thing of going to school and trying to compete on a national scale with people that really do have quality education. Uh, as I played sports, I got to travel and see different schools, see different uh, communities and understanding that what was going on around me wasn't right. And, uh, we have uh, something called school of choice in Detroit to where uh, they opened up the parameters in the school district so you can go to school anywhere. Uh, that really happened because of the demise on public education. So going to charter schools and seeing that the curriculum and the different extracurricular activities that we were doing widened my horizon so much that by the time I got to high school, I was learning the same subjects that I really was learning in sixth and seventh grade. So understanding how far behind and not only that, the parameter that was uh, put on children, uh, saying that they're not even capable to be able to have these high hopes or to be able to be uh, aspirous. I feel, I feel, I feel. You, said, you said a lot in that. Um, and I, Chris, I don't know if it's out there, but you know, with this idea of like states taking over districts, is there any, any like research or have you heard anything about, you know, actual improvement? Because you figure like if a state takes over, supposed to be extra something at least extra achievement i don't know like in Pennsylvania, philadelphia they took over you know um and chester they took over you know detroit new, other new places new, new orleans Does new, that have uh, you? i mean yeah. oakland we got we were in receivership too so i mean it's a happens but I, go ahead yeah i think yeah uh, well i'll just say I, I think the research is really mixed on it in terms of outcomes and it all depends on it all depends on what's the plan who's executing the plan and what's behind it. There are some places where the takeover is hostile and it's by a state that doesn't like the urban city and the mm -hmm. two governments are not working with each other on behalf of children. It's just a political thing. In those cases, um, the, the outcomes is, is pretty predictable, right? You know, have people collaborating, working together, whatnot. You have a high high-handed state that thinks they know everything and they really don't. If states knew how to educate kids, they would take over districts all the time, every day. There's some states that don't even want to take over schools because they know better. Like there's no governor in, in a lot of places, there are governors and others who don't want that type of uh, 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 problem. There's like, mayors who don't want that problem, right? There's mayors that don't want their problem. You know, there's, there, that's why it's always good to be able to blame things on the local area. But Newark is a good example of somewhere where uh, there were uh, improved outcomes 
there were more choices offered, more high quality choices offered. Uh, I think Detroit is very much a, a mixed environment, but I mean, this is the catch 22 that young people are in. I'd love to hear more uh, from this young man, but you know, the catch 22 is sometimes you are in a really bad situation that warrants somebody stepping in and intervening, but sometimes the medicine is worse than a damn illness, right? Doesn't make everything better for people to step in sometimes when adults don't have young people's best interest at heart. And Detroit's one of those places where I question whether or not Michigan actually even loves the children of Detroit. I, I mean, it's not a question. Uh, if you look at the proficiency level, I mean, after slavery, we were proficient on eighth and seventh grade levels. Now in Detroit and around the nation, we're on third and fourth grade levels. So, I mean, uh, like I said, it's kind of looking at the public schools system and seeing how it was demised and seeing why it was created. And uh, just going back to the origin of it and why it was put and implemented in, uh, it's kind of really doing its job uh, exactly of what it was produced to do. Cole, jump in. You were about to... Yeah, I just, just on that thing, because we deal with like that stuff a lot in Oakland. So basically... Uh, when states take over, it's not always because of the academics, right? Like if you saying, hey, we ran out of money or we don't know how to manage our money and you asking for the state to pay for stuff, it's like going into bankruptcy, right? It's like we got it. So now we're going to manage. We need to see how you going to you know, get your funds and all that stuff and make sure that you can. If we're going to bail you out, we want to make sure that these funds are being utilized the way that they're supposed to be. So that's not the only reason. I wish academics were actually more of the reason that states would come in, because like like Chris said, more states would be intervening on those things. No, we, but when you mess with the dollars and I got to pay for it and bail you out, then that's a different issue. Um, uh, Mr. Hall, man, one, just thank you so much for being here. Um, just what do, what do you feel like is one of, you know, Sharif kind of laid out a little bit about your background and, and, and the work that happened. And, and, and somebody put the article in the, in the, in the chat, but what has been one of your, your biggest learning points uh, since you started doing this, organi this organizing work uh, around education in your city? Just how uh, much people really work to oppress uh, us mm -hmm. as people. Uh, how many forces are put in place, not by mistakes. Uh, things that you may think as a kid, why is this happening? Why is this going on? But uh, truly it's happening just for that reason, for you to think or for you to kind of be uh, indocumented into society, into rituals, and uh, to caste systems. So just kind of really understanding that throughout that and how many people are really, uh, that think they are better in the system, but are really actually uh, cooperating with the system. Uh, often many people that look like myself that uh, really truly are so enslaved that they feel like that they're free. And uh, we really truly don't know that we're still enslaved uh, in so mm. many different ways. So just really understanding that as I'm trying to organize as a young man, it's just been uh, kind of one of the most eye-opening things. Is Detroit an easy city to organize in? Like when you're trying to get other people involved, is it a... Some of the greatest a, movements have come out of Detroit. It's also some of the greatest uh, revolutions have come out of Detroit. So, uh, I mean, when we talk about the automobile company, when we talk about the UAW, uh, mm -hmm. workers' union, when we're talking about teacher unions, when we're talking about... Uh, one of the blackest cities in America that uh, had a black government, that had a black uh, really ran city that uh, has also been a demise of so many other different areas uh, when so many influential people throughout any period of time have come through Detroit and have uh, left a piece of them within Detroit uh, in so many different areas of culture to uh, education to whatever. Um, just really kind of understanding that, I mean, that's why people oppress Detroit. The first place that they attack is Detroit, knowing that we are one of the best places to organize. That's why sometimes when you see we are lost, we're also one of the most lost cities also, because whatever we put our minds to, we're really going to do it. Yeah, I think the last time I was there is a while ago. Um, all the things that you hear about Detroit or whatnot. Uh, you have to just actually go for yourself and be there and see it and participate. Like, don't, don't believe things that you hear from a distance. But I didn't know what to believe before I got there. And two times I came, actually, I stayed in exactly the same spot and got on the airplane and left. So I didn't get to see much. But the third time that I came was that there was a NAACP meeting at a high school. 
and I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to escape me for right now, but it was a hearing that they were having at this high school that required me to go through more neighborhoods to get there. To, and I was amazed by how much stuff on the way there um, was for, you could see the former greatness. Like some, this was a very big, you know, um, um, auditorium of some sort. And, you know, really like you could see landmarks, I think, but this high school was big and you could tell that it was from a time when there were big investments in public schools. It was one of the biggest high schools I'd seen. The auditorium was like theater quality, like like where we had the meeting was like you were swear you were at the Apollo or something. This was a high school, and you know there was UAW stuff all all throughout the building. And I thought to myself, like this this is what it looks like in some of those movies, the aftermath of great investments. You could tell that there was a time where the city was thriving and that it had strong civic systems and had strong kind of communities and had this high school was evidence of that, just big and huge. Um, but it was weird watching the people in the, in the auditorium argue about what was best for kids, um, whether it should be charter, whether it should be district schools, whether uh, who, who's to blame and what's the, uh, uh, the real problem. You being in the schools right now, what do you think is the real actual way to get Detroit back to being great for all kids to, to kind of reclaim some of its its luster. Uh, this with education, I think uh, the whole system, because it's not just Detroit that people are being deprived and that things like this are going on. I mean, we can see it uh, many places where our people are and where our people have been. Uh, so really kind of understanding that and understanding that youth uh, children are obligated to go to school. But they have no say so in curriculum and environments. They're never mm -hmm. asked what they want to do. And not only asked, they're never instrumental in that. Children should get paid to be a part and to construct what's going on in the classrooms and in the schools. All everything centers from around children. Every dollar. The community is based no bad community has a bad school. I mean, no bad community has a good school. So understanding that the school is the hub of the community. So if we let these young people that are going to be not only just the future, but are the present. And once we look at students as the present and not as some people that we have to uh, advise or construct or to draft in a type of way, because to be honest, we haven't truly been free. We are still enslaved. So really, if that's the case, we're the blind is leading the blind. So we have to really let go of our ego sometimes and put it into the hands and let them learn from our mistakes not saying that the, it's going to be perfect but we haven't seen perfect nowhere near close to perfect especially not a literate nation so just really kind of understanding and unlocking that paradigm of uh children really being instrumental in education looking at them as teachers i mean right now we have a shortage of teachers there's not even enough teachers to teach students right now so we're talking about education when we don't even know how long this profession is going to really be around um, so let me jump in here because I, I yeah. think this profession is going to be around forever as long as white women can make money and, and, and live their middle class lives. Let's be clear on that. But so my question to you is uh, more centered around, have you ever had a good teacher? And in, in, in that instance, if you have had a good teacher, what are the things that that, that were representative of, of you and uh, in, in, in that good teaching? Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of great teachers. Uh, my father is also a teacher. So there's understanding uh, that was the main thing with the law. So, you know, as a student, you may look at your teacher as the reason to why you're being miseducated. But understanding how much work that teachers put in in Detroit of waking up early hours, putting in their hard earned dollars, of taking pay cuts, doing all these different things for students and understanding and coming out with the relationship with that teacher. Uh, when they kind of come out of a lesson, leave the chapter book and go into a story about something that they may have went through or something that resonates to that chapter in a way that we wouldn't have got from this book. Uh, so just those type of things, uh, understanding when we were complaining about the conditions in our school and when our teachers told us to go write letters to the government. So things like that of ways to really kind of be independent. Uh, are always great ways of teaching, especially organizing. I think uh, teaching... Uh, I, I know at the conference this really came out uh, teaching is organizing. Uh, when you're teaching, you have to organize and we have to learn from our past and our history. So teachers are great. I mean, teaching is the hardest job. <laughs> so they're underpaid. They're uh, 
they have so many students in the classroom. I mean, they're asked so much of each other. I mean, you can't complain uh, with teachers. So I have a question. Um, so, I mean, you can, but I think in certain that, ways. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think you can, but I, I run one of those organizations that you're talking about where we pay every single one of our young people. And I never tell young people what to think. I just try to teach them how to think. And um, one of the things that I will say is you're entitled to your opinions and your feelings. And let's get that out there and let's center these things around you. But you're not entitled to your own facts. And in that, the way that I would, I guess my question for you, because I want to make sure that we be in supportive here, because I don't want to tell you I think on nothing. Right. And you got a long career. You got a long it's a it's a lot of stuff you're going to learn and see and experience. How do you want mentors more specifically these the four the, the, the men that are here talking to you right now, us, us four men that's looking at you? How would you like for us to pour into you? Like, how can we be supportive of you and helping your uh, your growth? Uh, definitely just learning from you all story. Like you said, we can't live in effect. We can't live through something that we haven't lived through. And we all can't be everywhere. So the only thing that we can really live through and kind of get that experience from is the people that have lived through that. So you all just kind of coming back and pouring uh, education and knowledge and just kind of helping along the way. Like you said, we know we can't. Uh, it's never saying, but we always need to take constructive criticism. I'm not saying that we don't need the uh, elders because I mean, we all need elders. I mean, that's the foundation of the community, but also understanding the importance of the youth, understanding that the elders have to pour their all into the youth. You want us to be a better representation then or better out than what you all or what you all's generation was. And oftentimes, sometimes in the community, we can see people don't want their, uh, how can I say, their student to surpass the master in uh, so many fields. So kind of really understanding that, and it's okay that even if the student does surpass, it's not just the student surpassing, it's all of us. So understanding when we do see something bright or when we do have a bright person such as, or that wants to do something that's positive, just doing whatever you can do to kind of support them. Sometimes that may not be money, that may not be a, a idea or anything like that. It may just be listening. It may just yeah, be connecting I, them to somebody else. So uh, I love just that, those man. ways. Community, please surpass us. Next generation, Sh please, please, what? please surpass us. And Sharif, let me, let me, let me, let me have my I, just this little follow up because he has said something. And I, I, one, be selfish. Then, right? Like in this piece, we asking you stuff. We learning from you. But if you need something from us, like take that opportunity and ask us things that you want us to know. You do got some pretty, you know. I speak for Ray, Sharif, and Chris. I'm gonna put myself in there. These cats have done did some things, man. Um, but my question for you is you said something, I was curious, it piqued my interest. You said your teachers had you write letters. Can you walk me through that process? I'm just curious, like who they have you write letters through to and like what was the what was the premise of that? I, I just want to understand the circumstance. Yeah, this uh you just know how uh, oftentimes the students where uh, once you have a teacher that you are comfortable with and they build that relationship with you, then you kind of get to uh, fit into them about things that are going on within the school system. Maybe uh, the water that's leaking from the system, the bathroom that's unable to work, the rodents that's around, uh, unusable, outdated books, uh, whatever the case might be, uh, lead in the water from the water fountains, uh, whatever the case might have been, it got to the point to where it was like, this is something, because you know, uh, you can write to the uh, Board of Education, I mean, the Department of Education and kind of have the uh, briefing hearing or kind of have the complaint filed. But uh, she would like to write to the governor uh, just to kind of see and hopefully you all might get a response. If you all as a class unitely write to her, I don't see why you all wouldn't get a response. So there's kind of going through that and really kind of going through that process of her really kind of drafting up a well-written letter for us. So it was also a lesson plan because many of she us- she, uh, she drafted the letter for some of y'all or? No, she helped us draft oh, okay. it like as a class. Gotcha. So us going through that process of uh, really kind of drafting a professional letter that's getting sent to the governor uh, was just a great tactic, but uh, that's really kind of something that really woke me up to that this is a serious problem. And how'd that feel for you? Like when that was happening, right? When y'all was having that moment and, and, and y'all was doing that and sending these letters, how, how did you feel as a student? Like did uh, it feel different from other days? Did it feel special? I, I'm just curious, I wanna understand from your perspective. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, that class was one of those classes, uh, even if you skip all day, you know you gotta go to Miss Essie's class. Uh, she's not gonna have it. She'll mess around and come out looking for you. So she's one of those teachers that we went above and beyond. Every class. <laughs> every class. Yeah, so, yeah, every class does need a Miss Essie's, but uh, just the way that she taught in the, uh, 
just the high hopes that she had for us. I mean, she always held us to a high uh, accountability level, especially for us as athletes that uh, she knew we played sports. And like I said, my father was also a teacher in the school. So she always really kind of held us accountable and making sure that we kind of had a backup plan and uh, had at least some education on us. So if we go off to those schools that we want to go to, at least we prepared for that. But uh, it was definitely an empowering uh, session. I, uh, to be honest, it wasn't really nothing. I didn't think that uh, the governor read them, which he didn't end up replying to him. But just kind of, uh, I guess, for some students to be heard, to feel like that this may get read by the governor or that someone is going to read this and respond to it uh, was definitely impactful and powerful. Dope. Thank you, man. I just wanted to get an understanding. If you want to ever write something and have it published, all of us have ways to kind of get those things out and we'll be willing to help you. I, I didn't mean to hog that, fellas. I just wanted to get a, a, a I had heard something and I wanted to better understand for myself. I'd rather you hog it than Reef. <laughs> <laughs> you got issues, bro. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to get to this point, like where, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we've all worked with youth and, and you ended up collaborating with some folks to file a lawsuit. And I, I want the audience to hear, like, you know, because um, a lot of people talk about, like, doing stuff. Then there's another group, a smaller group of people who actually put wheels in motion and actually do something. So I want you to walk us through that process. Um, how did that, how did you all coalesce? How did that happen? Where did this idea come from to even have the audacity to do that, right? Um, and, you know, especially because more people probably should be taking that route in addition to a whole lot of other strategies um, to demand and fight for educational justice, for literacy of our, of our youth. Um, this is one, and I think important, uh, lever that I don't think often gets uh, implemented. You know, so please walk us through how did you, and you know, how old were you at that moment and who was around you? How did this all happen? Yeah, so just, uh, it was 2016, so, uh, Donald Trump had uh, released a list of the 50 lowest performing schools in the country. And uh, almost every Detroit high school was on that list. So, I mean, in Detroit, we always hear that our schools are going to get closed down or we're low performing, so they're going to close our schools down. But hearing it on a national level not only sparked the uh, match in us locally, but on a national level, uh, people came in that really, uh, in some way, form, or fashion, wanted to help us. So uh, really kind of understanding that and this uh, first and foremost is really throughout the most high. Uh, this is something that's been, I kind of, I guess, uh, steaming up and brewing up for years, for generations since uh, Brown versus Board of Education. So this kind of understanding that this is something that uh, we still don't have, which is, uh, and that we feel that we do have. But really just after that 50, that list of 50 uh, lowest performing schools came out, it really just kind of sparked that like, we're really last in the country. Uh, these are people, this is myself, my peers, my family, that they're saying that not only do we not want to learn, but basically are going to take the option of education away from us. Knowing that education is the way to liberty, knowing that I come from poverty, so the only way for me to get out of poverty is education. And this is the one thing that you're going to take away from me. So understanding that that was uh, that's really kind of dire. That's a... Uh, like the closing of a school is not the pulling of a trigger, but uh, it's the same. Uh, once you take a school out of the community, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen schools close throughout my whole since of going to school. So just understanding how important that was. And then with some outside help from uh, the non-profit, uh, I mean, the pro bono law firm, public council out of uh, Los Angeles, they came in and kind of were talking to teachers, talking to the community. But uh, once they came and talked to us as students, um, it was just like a no-brainer to really kind of file this lawsuit and that this was time because it was a national scale, a national scope. Right. And uh, just really being Michigan, we uh, happened to be kind of a 50-50 state at that time of red and blue. So understanding that we kind of had maybe a, a leverage point within the local courts or maybe in the appeals court. So I find right, so, 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 so let me let me ask oh, a couple questions here. Mm -hmm. So, sir. Um, you're giving us a lot of valuable information and a lot of insight on on Detroit. Um, I am a proponent for closing schools because I feel like sometimes it, it, it it's more helpful than it is hurtful. And so, have you seen instances in which um, schools are very low performing and probably not in the best interest of students that need to be closed? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's another reason why the lawsuit was really filed because really in Detroit, to be honest, all the schools should be closed. None of them are really uh, equipped to really hold a school, a proper school, or for children to learn comfortably at that point in time. So uh, understanding that, but also understanding that children need to learn. So it's not about at that point what we want or what's the best possibility. Sometimes we need to find out how can we resolve this? How can we solve this problem? So understanding that there is money or there is uh, funds available to kind of fix facilities and things of that nature. So understanding that it hasn't happened in over 40 to 50 years. So at some point in time, we need to uh, revitalize the systems. Uh, it's not really on students or those communities uh, to really kind of take that downfall forward. That's why we kind of have these things implemented in place. But that's also on the community. That's also on the uh, city. That's also on the state. So that's not just a thing on one person. It's a collective accountability that has to be taken at that point. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I remember when, when Dave Bing was knocking down houses and like, doing all these all, all these things in order to kind of you know revitalize Detroit get people to invest and I missed my opportunity because folks from California swooped in and started uh buying and making juice bars and like all this other stuff when I so now Detroit is like California that's just my thing okay so um Detroit's not like California Detroit <laughs> is nothing like this, California having I mean, been to both places get a chance to gentrify <laughs> his neighborhood yeah, I know. Chris, please it, please cover it you know just he talking about the tax credits he missed out on. That's what he's talking about. Those excuse that 15 seconds of black capitalism taking the show in the wrong direction. But Detroit is like Detroit. Uh, um, here's, here's what I think is like so important right now for listeners and us as people, all of us to pay attention to is uh, you can close all the schools you want. You can change the deck chairs. You can do whatever you want to do to a city or whatnot. But if you don't have a constitutional right to a high quality education, into literacy in your state, which is what people are increasingly starting to, to push for now, you still don't have that after you close the school. You still don't have that after you've moved everything around. And there are some communities that have like reform fatigue. They've had like 10, 15 iterations of the closing schools, opening schools, bringing in outside people, bringing in, you know, uh, um, veteran people going back and forth or whatnot, state State stepping in, state stepping out, whatever. If you have been watching public education since the 1960s, you have probably seen in some cities 15, 16, 17, 20 iterations of that. And the one thing that has been constant is that the Constitution in all of those places allows you to have a uniform or adequate education, right? Uniform or adequate, right? It could be uniformly bad. It could be uniformly inequitable. It could be uh, adequate, which when you go to look for a spouse or somebody that you want to, you know, spend your life with and someone says, you know, she's adequate or he's adequate. Is adequate a good word for what you want to be married to in terms of anything in life? Is like adequate, like, like in Detroit, I think when I was first watching this suit, First of all, it's kind of negative about the, the possibility that young people or any people would be able to beat the system into getting gaining a right to either literacy or an outcome of some sort or a high quality education system. We have the same type of thing in Minnesota right now. We're trying to pass an amendment to get a high quality education as a constitutional right. It amazes me who's against it. It amazes me that there are literally people that will fight against you having that kind of accountability are you kidding me like <laughs> literally they don't want accountability especially for people they have they don't for. want accountability and this is the thing so for this young man and and detroit and i love that he keeps saying it's not just detroit it's other places because it is Philly. the one thing is awesome. no one's in charge no one is on the hook for outcomes really it's not the state not the local leaders not the city not the county not the unions nobody is really on the hook for outcomes so i i, I like this idea of I fighting the state. Uh, well i mean <laughs> there, there's, there's there's mixed accountability everybody points a different direction what there isn't is a constitutional right to literacy or a constitutional right mm -hmm. to a quality education mm -hmm. and i think that's what's so smart and inspiring about this case first of all that is young people stepping out on their own behalf because I think adults are, I think adults have been paid off. Like, like, listen, Detroit's teachers 
are are not that's not a very white i heard you say that earlier Ray. they're not minnesota that's a very black teaching force there or what yeah but i'm talking in specific we have lots of cities where we own the city down there but there is class warfare like sometimes our people have joined the other revolution they have joined the state and they've joined the system against our young people and parents trust those folks sometimes in charge but young people know who to trust and who not to trust. That's what I love about this example. They know who, who's who got their back. Like, what's the name of the teacher that you mentioned? The one that you don't cut her class? Miss <laughs> Estes. See, I want to like, now, now we got to go start like an Abbott Elementary just for her. Miss uh, Estes, Miss Abbott, Miss, I just want to point out, I just want to point out that that whole adequate segue with like marriage and wife, <laughs> don't answer, worse, don't, don't touch way it. worse than my black capitalism. Way worse. Yeah, I just want to point that don't out. Touch it. I was like, don't, I said, don't answer this question. Calls the rain. Do not touch it. Anybody, anybody in the comments put in there if you was looking for adequate. If you were looking hey, for Adam again, Quinn, don't, don't take this bait. Don't take this bait. Don't take this bait. It is a hanging Chad, and there's adequate. so much that could be said. Riv, you were adequate a couple times. <laughs> she found adequate. See, I did. That's you know what I mean. Like, I, no, I think my that's wife a good found point, me adequate. That's a good point. I want the right to be adequate myself. Exactly. I'm yeah, just not looking all. for adequate nothing else in life. Right. And back to the show. Hey, hey the young man. I wanted to just say, Mister Mister Hall, uh, I think you are an incredibly. Uh, I think you have incredible potential, man, and I think that you're doing some amazing stuff. I just wanted to say, I, you are incredibly valuable. And I don't know if you even know the value of your story. And, and here's some unsolicited advice that I wish I had that I tell every young person now, especially ones that want to do advocacy or organizing or wants to, you know, make a change. I need you to start have, keep a journal if you don't have one. And I'm going to tell you very specifically, write down things that happen, write down how they made you feel mm. and then capture like research and lessons as you go. Because there was a lot of things I was told and there was a lot of folks that utilized my emotion, utilized my youth, utilized my passion. And then when I learned stuff, the facts didn't always quite line up um, and, and, and they allowed me to say stuff or repeat things that might have been wrong or just whatever the case is. I think that um, you have so much potential. And when you have people like this and whether it's us, whether it's cast at the union, whether it's people in your school, anybody that you like admire or in these positions of power, ask them their why and ask them their how, man. And I think that um, gathering data and information from different types of people, whether you like them or not, or whether you agree with them or not, could prove to be very, very valuable for you. And I wish that was a nugget somebody gave me 20 some odd years ago, because just having that, you're going to have so much data later on that when you pour it into the next Mr. Hall, um, there's a bit of wisdom that you can have in there. I, I, I'm not interested in, in um, telling you what to think on this stuff, right? Like I'm just interested, you have this open heart and your foundation is very strong. And my granny said, when we apple seeds, apple seeds don't have to try to grow up and, and bear fruit, they just do, you know what I'm saying? But I wanna make sure that the people that are farming you and watering you are doing that appropriately and helpfully, man. So I, I just appreciate you and your service. And I just wanted to speak that into you, brother. You, yeah. you, you got some amazing things you're doing. Yeah, I'm going to speak some things into you too. So I, I think when dealing with adults, right, one of the things that, that I wish I would have done or wish I would have had access to is like this belief cycle or like the spin cycle when when adults give me ideas like a lot of times folks will give you their their perceptions of their reality and they don't necessarily allow you to kind of embrace and kind of you know get to the crux of like what's really going on in terms of your interpretation of what you see right like and so a lot of times we'll walk with like other people's ideas as opposed to it being our own ideas right and so my challenge to you is when folks say something to you Go go get that information. Go get that information from two, three other people so that you can kind of triangulate that to make sure that it, it, it's making sense and it's jiving with you. Don't just take one person's word and, and, and run with it, but uh, get get multiple sources of, of, of information in order to kind of make that make sense for you. Let me get back to this. Uh, the lawsuit and like what what was the aftermath? Like what happened? What's going on now, like as a result of that, 
And then I know we're going to run out of time soon, but also want to leave time for folks to hear what you're up to today, you know, uh, this week. So what happened after you guys, uh, you know, organized and filed this lawsuit? What happened? What, what could other states, what yeah, could so, other, other youth learn from, from your experience? Uh, so on the state level, I mean, on the local level, uh, we actually lost. The uh, mm -hmm. judge filed and said that uh, the state did have some uh, say-so and what was going on. But the state uh, state's argument was that basically the trauma in the community, the um, lack of parent involvement, the uh, poverty, the uh, PTSD, and basically saying that kids weren't uh, able to comprehend or to be able to uh, learn on a proficient level or pass the proficiency that they're learning at now. So mm -hmm. just kind of really understanding that and seeing how they look at us as a community, as people, and how they uh, use things that we really don't think of as important. I mean, we all know about the third grade statistics, uh, how it's used to map out the life, but I think we don't really understand how important and how on so many different assets that's really used. But uh, after that, filing an appeal at the appeals court or the Sixth Circuit District Court that uh, kind of takes over the whole Midwest, we actually won. So uh, after we won, actually eight uh, attorney generals from local Midwest they filed a brief saying that uh, basically this can't stand. So uh, something that's uh, very, very rare, uh, an embarkment happened on the case, which is a, a rerunning and a re-trialing uh, of the case on the Supreme Court level, which actually it got uh, ruled down. So it's not actually precedent, but it's still uh, within legislation and still can be used in uh, different ways. But it's understanding, like we said at first, how, many, how much and how many people try to oppress us as people and how many people have come out the uh, light. I mean, uh, to be honest, I was the only really the lead plaintiff for the whole thing. And at the end of it, they said that I can't be a plaintiff at the end of the day. So there's understanding how much really goes into things like this and how much that basically this was really started by youth. I think that's the most important thing uh, out of everything that youth do have a voice and they are important right now. You feel me? That they can be heard. And oftentimes they have things to say. So uh, oftentimes we just don't listen to what they have to say. And it shouldn't have to come down to students filing a lawsuit to get a quality education. I, yeah, I, I, Mr. Hall, I hear you. Let me seize on this. Let me seize on this part, right? Jump in there. Because young people saying we demand literacy. Young people saying we demand like uh, what we deserve in education. And what did he just say? What did you say that the, the state's response to that was? You people, mm -hmm. you people are so traumatized. You too so hurt. You too hurt. You too poor. You too poor. You got PTSD. You just need a hug, y'all. You have community problems. Your culture is messed up. That was the response of the state, the government, the state, to young people saying, we want the education we deserve. Brody and who came point. to help? That's my point. Is like, where are the big, y'all hear me say this all the time, where are my big organizations? Where are my big national organizations that are collecting a dollar on children? Where, where are my big people who love to like, you know, wear T-shirts about how much they love black children, love children in general, and, you know, it's for the kids and whatnot. The state is telling you, I, I love all of this, just, just for the first part, that you all made the demand. You made the demand. We deserve an education, blah, blah, blah. And I love that you're saying that, like, you have a bigger analysis about this. It's not just Detroit, it's other places. Young people need to keep making these demands, all that. But the response to me is killing me. What you just said is, is going to stick with me for the rest of the night because you would think that people would be open to want to negotiate some sort of some change, something different, something bigger for you, some bigger settlement, rather than you're broken down, you're, you got PTSD and all that nonsense. Yeah, that was a lot, man. That was, yeah, I mean, was come on. I mean, and the thing about like and the technical maneuvers to remove the lawsuit, right? Like, you know, and and keep clear, you know, initially it was it was shot down and it went up to the Supreme Court. But even for them to say, oh, Mr. Hall, you can't even be a plaintiff. Right. Like, it's just like all these technical instead of saying, like, you know what, this joint is jacked up. We need to fix it. You know, and everybody and this is the part like everybody runs around talking about state sovereignty. State sovereignty usually ends up being bad for black folks. You know, I mean, when the state 
is like it's not in the Constitution, right? They they couldn't even envision anybody having public education, let alone black and brown folks, right? Like they probably rolling over in their graves. And states like, oh, this is within our domain. Don't overreach. Mind your business, government, blah, 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 blah. And then what do they do? They don't step up. There ain't a state in this union that can point and say, our children are being educated well. Not a single state. Like, mm-hmm. that's the sickening mm-hmm. part for me. There's not a single, you know, in some places you'd be like, oh, well, over there, they got better at this. Over there, better that. Statewide, nobody can say, nobody can brag about how they're educating children. That's jacked up. We can say, oh, I'm better than you, or I'm better than you. But they can't say we're doing well. We're we're providing educational justice. Particularly I think about like looking at you, looking at Charles, looking at Mr. Hall. I see Philly. I see Oakland and Chicago, and I see Detroit. And what's interesting about most of those places I just mentioned is the city and the state are in two on two different planets in a lot of ways. Okay. Like Michigan has a lot of school districts with no people of color. Michigan has lots of school districts with like 1% black student or whatever. And they put a lot of their political energy into hating Detroit. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll find that in Pennsylvania. You'll mm-hmm. find it, you know, to some extent, you find it here in Minnesota with Minneapolis versus the rest of the state, right? Yeah. There's an animosity. I don't it's know if Chicago or, or uh, Charles, if California is like that with, with Oakland and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But these cities, that I'm only raising it because these cities have a different political fight to fight. And I think people need to organize and move differently in the cities than they do. Uh, um, uh, just like expecting a whole state to change. We're kind of congregated in cities where we could have more power. We mm-hmm. could be more organized. Chris, this didn't make you think of that Sean Dove book? Sean's book, uh, I Too Am American? Yeah. How so? Because like, with, with the kid that was in Detroit that went and chose. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a y'all want to let the audience in on this? We just still record. This all good. It's not. <laughs> I have these. I, and and Mr. Hall, I'm look, I'm just glad Chris book. knew what he was talking about. Usually, everybody Christmas. just leaves befuddled and bewildered. Like, no, right? We don't know what you're talking about. But this, there's this. A, there's a chapter in uh, Sean Dove's book. I too am American. There's a chapter in it where it follows a student in Detroit who actually has to make several moves to different schools and he ends up in a white suburb uh, at, the, at the end of his journey, right? And mm-hmm. it's such a crazy tale of, of how he got there. He was in a school where, where, they didn't care, where nobody cared about him. And then he got into a school where it was all black staff and they had a strong uh, success orientation in the school and they really poured into the kids and, uh, and he did well there. And somehow he still thought it was like his golden opportunity once he got accepted into some white district, like some some program in a white district. Um, and when he got there, he had a lot of trade-offs to make, cultural trade-offs to make. They had a better pool. They had some a better auditorium. They had better resources. Yeah. But they didn't have better kind of like cultural connection to who he was, mm-hmm. um, which formed a, a great conversation. But... Anyways, Mr. Hall, I will send you a copy of that book because I think uh, it's int- it'd be interesting to see what you think of it. Yeah, yeah. please do, please do. Yeah. We're going to do our closing thoughts. Um, uh, John Maria, we're going to uh, save you for last, though. Uh, Ray, Ray, jump, jump on in, bro. Yeah, so I, I, I think he, he raised a very, Mr. Hall raised a, a very interesting point when we talked about third grade test scores and how that can be like the trajectory for like life for you, right? And so um, I'm seeing in, in certain districts, um, as early as third grade, definitely fifth grade, but those scores kind of lead you on the trajectory of if you get into AP, if you get into advanced classes, if you get uh, opportunities to to get into specialized high schools, uh, it starts very early, right? And so, you know, we, we as educators, we, we say that after third grade, you kind of know. And so, you know, you, you want kids to be on grade level uh, by the third grade because, you know, if not, oftentimes that leads to a life of uh, rehabilitation and all sorts of things that uh, just students shouldn't have to go through, right? And so I think that if we pour into kids early, to make sure that they're on a path of uh, of, 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 of literacy um, 
endowment by third grade, then um, we'll make for a better education system. Well, Mr. Hall, thank you for coming and kicking with us, man. I hope we treated you well. Dr. Cole? Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for being here, Mr. Hall. I just want to just say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm calling you to continue to be excellent, man. And, and, and excellence is not perfection. It mean, you're going to make mistakes and, and you got learning and growing to do and allow yourself that, you know, I want you to take this, man. You never as bad or as good as they say you are. You know what I mean? Like, don't let the perceptions of other people, especially you as a powerful, strong, up and coming young black man that the world may see in certain kind of ways. Build up that strong core right now, bro. Keep expanding on what you're doing. And I'd be remiss. I wanted to give you the rest of this time. And I didn't ask you. I wanted to ask you, what are you what are you passionate about? And what do you want to and what and just what do you want to be doing and how do you want to be feeling later on in life? I, I want to always I always try to humanize our young people uh, because sometimes this system only sees them as numbers. Some people only see them as other things worse. So, you know, it don't, when I'm asking you, don't you don't have to say a job, but I, I really I want you to answer that question. I, I really do. Like, what do you what are you passionate about moving forward so we can all wrap around and help you? Yeah, just uh, I really just want to be free, help other people be free. Uh, and that's just not uh, Mr. Hall. Money. I love. I like that answer, and you said that, and I got you. you. Go, bro. Talk, let me do what I do. Let me do what I do. It's my question. It's my closing thought. Y'all, let me do what I do. Okay, this is what I do. See what he got to say. Let me do. I am. Wait a second, brother. This is what I do professionally for a living. But Mr. Hall, when you say I want to be free, I need paint a picture for me. What is that? What does that mean for you specifically? Like, you know what I'm saying? Put, that's abstract, right? And it's a good abstraction, but I'm just challenging you. And it's okay if you ain't got it. I just wanted to, I want to hear from you so I can be, I can be uh, targeted in how I might try to support, you know? That's yeah, that qualitative, that's that qualitative uh, dissertation probe question. <laughs> it is somebody who raises young people to know how to do research and discernment and have agency. That's what that is. I want you to be specific. <laughs> They let yeah, our people definitely. get away with being broad. No, no, we need you to be precise. So go ahead. I brother. mean, uh, I am a very first off. I'm a very, very broad uh, young man. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you definitely. I never put myself in one category because I know Absolutely. I'm a multiple different Absolutely person. Not. So, uh, but first off, I just want to liberate. First, before I turn 25, I want to liberate as many youth as I can. So I'm creating a national youth coalition because youth don't have a representation party. So I think that's something that should first be established within here in the United States, and then hopefully that uh, other countries and other uh, places will really kind of adapt that, so we can really kind of liberate and start the path to liberation knowing that our people never had a real reparation period and understand that that we were enslaved for over 15 generations and uh the re um whatever they want to call it 10 or 11 years they want to call it uh it really just was only 10 or 11 years so understand that we've never really i'm saying they, they call it reconstruction but at the same time we still were never able to be free to be people so understanding that uh there's still so much work to go within here so that's really my main goal then by 25 i really want to have a bank uh, i want to have an independent bank hopefully have some funders and stuff like that and really start to be free so when i say free i mean free in all assets of life meaning living free uh having free independency financially uh thought-wise, life-wise, living off of natural energy, just understanding and being in tune with myself and the uh, world. So that's what I mean by free. Hey, you got a supporter in me. I'll make sure you got all my personal information. I <laughs> thank you. Great for you, B. What you got for closing thoughts? Uh, thank you for being on tonight. Thank you for the example. Thank you for the inspiration of what you're doing. Uh, fighting for your own rights. You know, I'm a little bit, uh, I get cynical sometimes when I see young people uh organizing for adult interests and it looks like adults are the ones who are gaining the most from the advocacy so it's interesting for me to see your example where young people are demanding for themselves what they know that they deserve and what they need in terms of an education to prepare them for a life that they know that they deserve and that they want um i think we can uh we can assist and we can walk aside uh, beside you in those situations, and we should. We should do more of that. We should be there for the assist and for the support, but not to tell you what to do and how to see the world and what to think and to tell you what your policy priorities should be. But the, that, the fact that you guys 
fought for a right to literacy is so fundamental and foundational to me. It's a human right. It's an international human right um, that it, 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 it seems just so uh, honest and sincere of a place to go if you're advocating for yourself. You don't have somebody else's agenda. So stick with it. I would say to the adults, I'm really let down by, by the fact that uh, young people still in 2022 have to fight for a right to literacy um, and that they don't get all the backup that they deserve from adults, from professionals, from people that should be doing more uh, to fight to get these rights installed. And for the people that are fighting against these things are finding clever ways of um, using policy to stop young people from having their educational rights. Uh, shame on you. Those, you. You really are the people we should focus on removing from powerful positions and marginalizing from 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 position of, of, of power because um, it's far beyond the time that states should have already adopted um, a right to an education for every American, every American young person uh, that is there to get one. Um, so Mr. Hall, you also will get all of my uh, contact information. Storytelling is very important. Mm -hmm. Counter story and tell counter storytelling is very important. The the information or what Charles asked you to do earlier in terms of keeping your own notes, writing your own story, writing out, out how you feel about it or whatnot. That is a story that God has given you that eventually you can decide what is the best purpose for it and what you will use it for. But I bet if you share it with others, others will find nuggets in it that give them life too. And now you will have left a legacy of other people being able to live off of parts of your story. So it's very important to keep doing it. Thank you very much for coming tonight. Yeah. And um, I want to open up the floor, man, and give you an opportunity. Just what would you leave the audience, particularly other youth in our cities? You got Chicago, Illinois, Paducah. Kentucky, Oakland, Miami. I live in Miami now, so we got Florida down here. Yeah, so okay. like, what, what would you, particularly for the youth and the people who support those youth, like what, what message would you want to leave uh, with them this evening? You are important now. Uh, you don't, education is not some nugget that you just go get and that you're going to go read a book and it's going to come and absorb and you're going to be so educated and there's no perfect pathway. Uh, you are great now. You are great yesterday. You are great tomorrow. And for adults to really kind of pour into children, the only LeBrons in our community are not people that play sports. If someone is doing something positive in any way or light, get behind them. Pour into them. Help them. Find out how you can help them. Don't just knock down or think that the success is the things that we uh, really look at success in our communities as of today. Uh, something like a literacy lawsuit can be successful. It can be something that's important. It doesn't have to be just because it's not normal or it's not uh, regular. It's different. And just because if you're a kid, if you think that things that are going around you aren't normal, aren't regular, nine times out of ten, it's probably not. So just understand that you're not the one that's wrong. Uh, common sense is very, very uncommon within now. So just understanding to be yourself. Uh, we control our own narratives. So like you was just there to share our stories. Uh, there's nobody that can tell our story for us or tell us how to live our lives. So just continue to live and be yourself. Look, man, I'm just, I appreciate you being being on. Um, when I got a chance to talk to you in, uh, in Michigan, um, we were on the Black Male Educator Association's podcast, um, as well as in other uh, circles. And hearing how not only inspirational your your story and your vision is for youth but for society at large um if, if more people implemented you know what you're envisioning what you're pushing for what you're fighting for what you filed uh, a lawsuit about um this would be a much better place a much safer sp space for children for youth in our collective futures and i i hope that everybody who touches middle high school students, elementary school students, that they're sharing your story, that they're talking about what you did. Um, every, you know, what they say, every hero ain't wearing a cape, you know, and every hero ain't, ain't some, you know, gray haired old person, right? Like there's a whole lot of folks um, that need to hear your story, what you've done and what you are and will be doing. So just again, really appreciative of, of you, the work that you're doing in Michigan now and down in Miami 
and um and as you said worldwide this is this is a uh an absolute critical uh, juncture for our collective future and so thank you for being a freedom fighter man um early on and often and and listen whatever we can do to continue to support you uh and your work you know we're, we're there man but just really grateful thank you for being a freedom fighter and i, and I mean that uh, from the bottom of my heart you've been listening to the eight black hands we will see you in april next round up thank you again and peace <laughs>